Is a young NFC East receiver about to drop off the dynasty radar? What third-year phenom should you be cautious about acquiring? And what's the best way to handle your rookie drafts if you already have a contending dynasty squad? Plus, Steve Parator, a four-time FFPC high-stakes dynasty football champion, talks about rookie pick values, David Montgomery, Jamar Chase, and more all live on YouTube right now. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Damn the pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Silence in the scripture. Are we not all our father's sons? I became a man. Nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs tuning in this evening here on YouTube. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, big, massive weekend, not only for fantasy football players as we get to see what happens in the NFL draft starting tomorrow, but obviously, um, you are busy this weekend trying to get some of these guys new homes. You know, I am, and uh, we're going to talk about some homes new and reestablished tonight. You know, I would encourage the listeners, Balky, to remember that the um, NFL selection process runs through Saturday. And then Saturday night, follow on Twitter. You'll see players, the names that you were familiar with from their college days, who were undrafted for a number of reasons that we won't get into here, but still could be quality fantasy players. You know, sometimes I think that it's, it's very much like uh, the, these players are like birds on a wire. You, you evaluate these and those fly off and more fly in. But mm-hmm. if you keep, don't, don't think because a player that you have targeted falls in draft stock, goes undrafted, that he's no, no, uh, benefit for fantasy things could be much much different when he gets to camp if you liked him as a player you should like what he's going to do in the nfl if you liked him as a college player and and look at the advantage of no draft capital invested in him you're going to get him for free everywhere so this is exactly right and you know tending as we all look at the draft and this happens in the nfl uh room as well you know, you're you're creating your own mythology of what you see happening. You're looking into the future and you're trying to understand how it fits with you. But ball players that have bring talent and skills to the field, they those skills don't change just because they were not considered a draft pick. We could go on and on with the list of players that have contributed to fantasy football, even as rookies that were undrafted. Follow your players all the way through the draft. It's a very important process. We will get to uh, we'll we'll investigate that thought more as throughout the program tonight. Also coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about a Pro Bowl player 
potentially finally moving out of the AFC West. More on that in a little bit. Who could be the sleeper running back of this year's rookie class? Maybe he's an undrafted free agent. Um, and then Steve Peritor is going to talk dynasty fantasy football with us, how he won four high stakes FFPC dynasty titles in his career, how he values rookie picks with contending teams, how he values them with not contending teams and much more. All right. So a couple of things at the top of the show, the 2022 FFPC best ball tournament goes live on Sunday, a $200,000 grand prize, just $125 uh, to enter that the grand prize and the prize pool are doubled for 2022 pre and uh, no, not the pre anymore. We just have the post NFL dynasty startups available at myffpc.com slash dynasty. Those go live on Sunday. Um, all the orphans are sold out. Thank you. FFPC uh, um, players for, for buying all those up. No orphans left for the FFPC until next year. The football guys early bird promo going on for a $35 dis, uh, discount or $35 free team. When you draft before June, when you register before June 30th draft before July 15th, you'll get a free $35 team added to your account. Million bucks going off in the main event, $100 off your first team, uh, $500 off each additional slow live and sit and go best ball options all at myffpc.com. And don't forget the run to daylight championship and draft masters filling up at kffsc.com. And if you want to draft against me, I'll be drafting Sunday night uh, in the KFFSC run to daylight. We have uh, former world champ uh, Jason Kahn and Aaron Laser. They'll be drafting in that. Of course, the former Kentucky um, main event champs, FPI, Petrie and Larson, they're going to be in that draft much more. That is going to be a fun draft. If you want to get something, um, you know, that the draft in a league Pharaoh, that's going to get you set for drafting season, drafting against these guys who have had so much success, that's going to prep you and it's going to make you a better drafter in 2022. Oh, Buggy, thank you for bringing that up. We always say that the best players play in Kentucky and it gets you ready to take a swing at that million dollars in the FFPC uh, in September. So August is Kentucky. FFPC is uh, September, both the live events and then online and, and everywhere uh, in the KFFSC and the FFPC leading up to there. Uh, you're you're great to come in and, and support the league by playing. You're a very busy man. A shout out to uh, all the kids and your missus that is on the recovery road yeah. at the moment. It's been very, <laughs> very encouraging. And uh, by the time we gather uh, next Friday night, uh, I bet she'll be even feeling better. She might even jump in the broadcast with us. Uh, oh, more no, coming up on more coming up on what we're doing next Friday later on in the show. Stay tuned for that. Let's get into the fantasy flash, ladies and gentlemen. The Broncos have indeed officially signed Melvin Gordon to a one-year contract, according to Jordan Schultz on Twitter. Melvin Gordon, 29 years old, obviously um, had a decent season last year. Uh, four and a half yards per carry on over 200 attempts, 918 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, and he only missed one game. Now, in that one game, Javante Williams looked like a world beater. That probably will not be the case as long as Gordon is healthy this year. Now, Nathaniel Hackett is the new head coach in Denver. He obviously comes from a backfield in Green Bay that was pretty good at utilizing both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So Javante Williams probably going to be the 1A this year. Um, but Melvin Gordon, don't forget about him. And a question about this from the chat, Hudson Kern-Reed, our resident Ivy professor, fantasy football player, how far should Javante Williams now move down from his ADP before the Gordon signing? And then I'll tell you right now, Yeah, in the uh, FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, which is just wrapping up here with all the, the live drafts being completed here, um, he was going at 109. He did fall to the 202 um, after the Gordon news. That was the latest he went. I got to imagine, Farrell, when football guys draft start up on Sunday, obviously the run to daylight, he is going to be going lower than the 202 
How far should he drop? Where would you draft him? Do you take him after the top eight running backs are off the board, after the top 10, 12? How do you sort of like finesse your way into trying to find the sweet spot for Javante Williams in high stakes drafts? Uh, because of the best ball format, you can go ahead and stay with him in the second round. I never thought he was fit as a first round draft pick. I, I always gave the side eye to that when I saw him moving in the first round. And that side eye became a permanent side eye because Darren tells us the mojo is a one nine. And I, I just thought that was too early. You know that they're not going to turn this entire situation over to him. So consequently, there would be another back in there. Melvin Gordon is not the quitting kind, and you should not be the kind of owner that quits on Melvin Gordon. Um, Gordon will will go higher than uh, where Darren has him now, which I'm sure is ninth and maybe as late as the 10th round. Uh, both players will have a, a significant year with the talent and skills of um, Russell Wilson at the quarterback. Uh, and those numbers you gave for Gordon Balky he now has become the steal of the early um, best ball drafters that were uh, wise enough not to be the quitting kind on Melvin Gordon. Yeah. And think about that too. I mean, all these people that were drafting early envisioning this Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, you know, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Jerry, Judy, um, Albert Okaweppano juggernaut with Javante Williams, right. As, as like the, the co-pilot next to yeah. Russell Wilson. Well, now all of a sudden, Melvin Gordon has edged his way into that cockpit, and he's going to have something to say about these carries. 11.03 at running back 40 is where he was going. He will, as Farrell said, uh, move up from there going forward. All right, let's go over to the uh, East Coast. Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network says, it doesn't seem very likely that the Giants will move on from Kadarius Toney in the near future. Uh, Garofalo says there's, quote, no doubt that the Giants have had conversations about Toney, but nothing's been materializing in the form of a trade with somebody else. Um, the Giants uh, had Kadarius Tony as their first-round pick last year, Dave Gettleman pick, and now it seems like uh, they want to move back off him. And quite frankly, Farrell, and I think this is the lesson we can learn for fantasy football here, we know what Tony's able to do in a limited sample size, right? Once you demonstrate that skill, you own it, and he owns it. But if the team is trying to shop you around, what does that say about somebody who wants to invest in Kadarius Tony to be on their fantasy football team this year? It's shaky ground right now. And this is a guy that I think is as temperamental as they come as far as his boom bust value. Wide receiver 37 right now at the 809. And we'll see what the Giants do in the draft this weekend. If they end up going with some receivers, obviously Tony could be on his way out. I know they're talking about maybe trying to trade Darius Slayton as well. Um, but Kadarius Tony Farrell, I think he's more of a tease uh, than a fantasy football asset at this point. Mm, Bonky, I think you may be wrong for that. And you might want to rethink that before Sunday night, because I think this player in the ninth round is a very attractive ball player. You know, you've got a head coach moving over from the AFC Buffalo Bills that looks at this situation and experienced Tyreek Hill running past through and over all of his defenders. Um, he's in a situation now where he's got a player that it's a far stretch to call him Tyreek Hill, but he flashes those skill set. And this is a player that proved it in the Southeastern Football Conference, the finest football conference of all time. And you know that in the second round, I'm sorry, in uh, 2021, uh, uh, th this player was, was in a situation where time uh, will wait for him. It wasn't going to wait for the head coach. It wasn't going to wait for the general manager who drafted him. Uh, but time would definitely wait for Kadarius Toney. And this is his time. 
I think he will have a very, very improved season. His flashes will come into a real uh, contribution in games. And I, I think this is a very, very good ball player where he's being drafted now. And if he were to be moved, he would be moved to a situation where he could continue to flourish. The great thing about fantasy football, no one's going to pay the price in trade. And, you know, our dynasty, our dynasty players know this better than anyone. No one's going to get pay the price for a, a first round draft pick coming off his rookie year without a defined role for him. Uh, uh, Time will wait for Tony, and uh, don't wait too long, Bulky. He won't be around much much longer at that 8-9 and nine pick. And that's a good point, too, because in Kentucky, he'll obviously go higher. Um, wide receiver mm-hmm. 37, I mean, he's kind of a borderline wide receiver 3, wide receiver 4. So depending upon how my team shapes up, if I do go, um, you know, uh, running back heavy and I'm just firing wide receiver darts, Tony might make some sense there. We'll see what happens. I don't know which way I'm going to go. Let the draft come to me. Uh, as it were, on Sunday night. All right, so Zach Gelb, let's talk about him for a second. Zach Gelb is uh, the host of the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. This came out just before we went on air here on Wednesday night. Um, Zach Gelb was interviewing Darren Waller. The Raiders, according to Darren Waller, specifically told him he is not going to be traded. The full quote, they said that's not a thing that's happening and there's no trade that's going to happen. Now, um, there it was earlier rumored or reported on by Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV, who's been on my airwaves before. I respect him. He's been with the – covered the Packers for a long time. And then Justice Mosqueda with Acme Packing Company also corroborated this report that the Packers and Raiders were working on a Waller trade. Now, I kind of sni- – this – it didn't seem right. The Packers don't seem like a team that would want to give up draft picks for, you know, quite frankly, an older tight end, an affordable older tight end, but it just never seemed like this is something that Green Bay wanted to do. So I'm not surprised that this is not going to happen. But Farrell, as we look at Oakland, uh, beg your pardon, Las Vegas this year, Devontae Adams is going to be a target monster. Hunter Renfro is going to be a target monster. Darren Waller has been a target monster when he's been out there. Are you worried about one of those three players being a bust this year? Because Derek Carr can only pump the ball so many times every game. Bucky, I have no worries, and I never live in fear when it's related (laughs) to the Raiders. You know, it's interesting that you give this breakdown uh, from the Packers' perspective. I don't think there was any smoke or any fire here. Now, Darren Waller, you just referred to him as an older tight end, but you'll have to recognize that Darren Waller is very, very low mileage on that body, and he is an incredible athlete. You can look at him. You can, you know, he's one of the guys at tight end that truly passes the eye test. He's the perfect kind of ball player for what the Raiders offense. He's the true and natural man of this offense, Balky. And, and you know, you talk about Carr and, and, and his recruiting of your beloved wide receiver Adams uh, to the Raiders. But I think Adams could also look at this and say, look at the kind of routes I'll have to run now with this gentleman, uh, Mr. Waller, clearing out the middle for me. And, you know, Waller is also a key to what the coach wants to do with two tight ends. I don't know how often he'll do it, but he has Foster Moreau. All the great things come out of New Orleans. He's a product of Jesuit High School in New Orleans. I mean, this – this whole Waller thing is like an April's Fool's joke that's gone <laughs> bad for the whole month. And Raider fans, so you know, you you want to talk about worrying about targets. I don't know if it's possible to throw for six thousand yards in a year, but you know, if anybody's ever going to do it, it's going to come out of the AFC West. And Raider fans and and players like our great friend Brett Trumpauer, who who love the Raiders and play all the fantasy football they can. 
their eyes are to the horizon of the possibility of the unlimited ceiling for all these players. We've talked about the fact that in Renfro's case, we think less red zone, less touchdowns, but we're dealing with an unlimited ceiling. And uh, that's the report that I've got on Waller for you as you should continue there with uh, Tanyan as your tight end. Yeah, and 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 I'll bring this up too, and it's it's something you brought up right at the start of that, Farrell. Um, Darren Waller will turn thirty by the start of the NFL season. However, he has only played six years in the NFL. He's only played in sixty-five games in his career, right. so definitely low mileage there. Good point uh, as far as uh, everything that you said about Darren Waller. All right, so let's bring in our guest tonight. Uh, Want to welcome him in right now, ladies and gentlemen. He is uh, celebrating an anniversary, Farrell, because twenty twenty-two marks his 30th year of playing fantasy football. Um, this is, he obviously started before the internet. Magazines is where you get the projections. The USA Today was your source of, of all the stats of everything that happened every weekend. And of course, uh, our guest scored his leagues by hand. Uh, in his home league, 25 years, five titles, numerous runner-ups in that. He stopped playing in it once he fell in love with the FFPC Dynasty format. He actually prefers the Superflex uh, format due to the variations in lineup settings and the strategy that gets uh, encompassed with that. He's a six-time FFPC league winner. Four of those championships are at the dynasty level. You already follow him on Twitter at Steve Parator. Please welcome in the headbanger himself. It is the one, the only, and the incomparable Steve Parator. Thank you so much for uh, making a little time for us tonight, Steve. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Balky. I think I'm out of here now. You covered everything. Thanks very much. <laughs> I've still got material and you know, you're, our, you're the first guest who's worn a sport coat. How fantastic this I is. Not, you know, I just thought I have to look good. You know, I figured to wear tights or something like that wouldn't work so good with, you know, this little bit of extra weight I'm carrying that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit warm in here tonight, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good tonight. So good job. Right. Thanks guys. All right. So, so let, I want to, number one, two part question. Uh, right, right away for you, Steve. Um, I want to know what you're doing for a living. Tell the, the FFPC uh, listeners uh, and viewers what you're doing for a living when you're not winning all these dynasty leagues. And then the second part of the question, Hudson Kern Reeve has a question uh, in the chat room. He wants to know where you think Brees Hall is going to go in redraft leagues this year. Brees Hall, who's obviously going to be probably, we don't know. I mean, it, he probably will be the number one running back drafted this year. Currently, um, I can tell you in the never too early best ball tournament, Brees Hall, uh, his ADP was actually at um, running back 17 at the 312. Football guys, obviously that's redraft, carries a little bit of a different weight, a little bit different strategy there. So number one, what are you doing for a living, uh, Steve? And then Brees Hall, where do you think he goes in drafts right now? Paid, paid work, I'm actually a regional sales manager. So I try to sell things. So that actually plays really well into working with Dynasty. So trying to work things out with that. So I'm a regional sales manager. I've been doing sales for about 30 years in the Mid-Atlantic area. Um, I'm also an avid uh, vegetable gardener. I'm a part-time and also I love my craft beer. So those are a couple of things I like to do personally. Drinking beer, I like to kind of work to live. I don't. I like to live to work, not necessarily work to live. So I kind of try to, try to mix the balance on that. And except for that, I'm also trying to always win dynasty leagues or fantasy football leagues. So that's it's kind of a part-time job for me right now as well, but it's the funnest job. I don't call it work, so it's a and good. You can, and you can mix craft beer in with fantasy football pretty easily. It seems absolutely, yeah. And again, <laughs> I'm not much of a redrafter, but as far as I would think, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking late second round because people are just going to love him. If he falls to a spot like Buffalo or goes to Atlanta or one of these other hot shot spots, 
mm, the last couple of years you've had some pretty top dog running backs, so you're thinking they're going to go pretty high. So probably late second, early third round, right about that. That's what I would think is a redrafter. So yeah, Farrell, I, I'm I'm on board with that. Late second sounds right to me for Brees Hall because whoever invests in him is going to want to give him the rock a lot right away. Late second, maybe even mid second, as we get closer and closer to the start of the draft season, uh, start of the main event season. Sure, and as you talk to uh, redrafts and and. Headbanger, we've already had so many redrafts, uh, both uh, classic leagues as well as uh, uh, best balls. But uh, Brees Hall was a value in all of them. People say, oh, Kamish, I don't want to draft this early. It's too early to draft. Well, you know, that's when you get Brees Hall at the fifth and then the fourth and then the third round. And you can still get him at those rounds before we move on. You will be the director, sir, of where he ends up in fantasy. And another rookie. Uh, that we looked at last year in fantasy. And I mean, there was a true devotion amongst dynasty players uh, for Jamar Chase. And, you know, if you've got him on your dynasty team, good for you. You've got a prolific receiver and a number one target for many, many years to come. What would it take if you don't have him to acquire him? Boy, yeah, as far as Jamar Chase, I have him in a couple of leagues. And to me, he's like kind of a unicorn. I mean, I think right now, at least this day and age, I think Jamar Chase, um, Jefferson, you've got Pitts, a little bit A.J. Um, AJ Brown, maybe C.D. Lamb. It's hard to change those unicorns. They're young. They're dynamic. They were pro- productive in college. Most of them are good situations, a little bit less with Pitts. But, I mean, look, at you've got Jamar Chase. My God, he's playing with his college quarterback. He's yeah. a first-round draft pick. He's got four more years under his rookie deal. He's got his quarterback for at least the next three years. Um, defense that's improving, running back with a little bit of mixing, getting a little bit older. But to me, Chase, don't even come talk to me. The only way I can trade him is in my super flex leagues. If I've got decent wide receiver depth and I might need a quarterback, but it better be a quarterback in the top five, top six. You're going to want Chase. You're going to come to me. You're going to pay for him. Otherwise, he's out. (laughs) Guys, Forget about it. Chase in particular, like I said, Jefferson, Pitts, those are unicorns. They're just hard to find. I mean, like sometimes changing, you want a dollar bill, you don't give me three quarters and a couple dimes. You can't use those things. I, I hate that. So yeah. if you come to me, you want to you want a stud, you better give me back an equal stud or something better, or you don't even come to the game because it's hard to do that. What are you going to give me two first round draft picks? Then what are you going to do? You're going to hope to spin a draft pick to get a chase to get close. No, nah, that's a little bit hard to do. So for me, a chase kind of guy, those kind of guys, very hard, to, very hard to trade, very hard to trade for. And very hard to trade away. I wouldn't want to trade that away. Most you are you already captured the unicorn once, Steve. Why would you go off and try to go. go on the chase again to try to find him? It's not worth it. Even if you have more more men to you know to cover more ground to try to find that unicorn again, not worth it. I'm totally with you on that. It's funny because the former co-host of the show, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, always used to say, like when Christian McCaffrey was at the peak of his powers, when Todd Gurley was at the peak of his powers, he said those guys, like you know, I, I think he said. You never want to use the word untradeable, yeah. but they're the next closest thing to that, you know, because it's so difficult, especially the FFPC where you got the, you know, you got to cut down to 16. It's it's so tough to get full return back on those types of players. Like you scratch and claw to try to get those players. And then once you have them, you just enjoy putting them in your lineup every single week. Now, a player you may not enjoy that with uh, this year <laughs> is David Montgomery. It looks like the Bears are going to be rebuilding. In fact, their new GM, Farrell, who's the new GM there? I always forget his name. Brian uh, Ryan Poles Ryan has set his team up for success in 2023. 
maybe not so much in 2022. Um, is that caused, knowing that, Steve, um, are you a little bit nervous about having David Montgomery on your team this year? Is it maybe time to to see what you can get for him on, on the open market in your dynasty leagues right now? Yeah, to, to me, I'm kind of the opposite. I mean, I look at a guy that's – he's in a pretty good situation. I mean, look at his receivers he's got. You've got Mooney. Okay. you got Brian Pringle, who I think it's better – a Pringle is better as a potato chip than an actual football player. Um, <laughs> you got St. Brown in there. You've got Cole Komet as the tight end. Okay, Khalil Herbert, you've got a backup running back. I don't huh, – I don't see him having much trouble getting touches. Touches equals – Production touches equals points, and points equals wins. So to me, I see him as a solid player down where he's at in the low 20s, what, low RB2 rankings. Man, give me Monty all day long. Give me a couple years out of him, and if he moves on in a couple years at his price point, I'd rather get a guy like that than spend higher dollars on a player that's in a similar situation, rebuild or not. I think Chicago may be rebuilding, but they got two more years with him. If I'm a rebuilder, if I'm a contender, or anything in between, I don't mind picking up Monty. I'm actually more of a buyer than a seller. That's my opinion on him. You know, and he caught the ball very, very well last year. Ran with it. Ran with the ball after catch. Surprisingly better than I thought he would. So you know, Steve, you may be on to something there. I uh, I've been trying to to get on. I, I tell you, last year. Before our main event in Louisville, we have a one-day draft on Sunday. It's part of our main event at the Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati where we encourage everyone. It's August 20th this year. If you don't want to come to Louisville for some reason, I can't imagine why you wouldn't. But if you can't, <laughs> Cincinnati is the place to be. And we'd love you to come to both. But, you know, we had I had a young man that's a good friend of mine helping me uh, at that draft as a facilitator. And one of the, one of the drafters mumbled, J.K. Dobbins, and this guy that was facilitating turned around and said C.K. Diamonds, which we all got a great kick out of. But (laughs) and and one one guy went ahead and named his team C.K. Diamonds. But you know, Dobbins has been anything but that. So I've been searching for a man in this backfield that can answer the situation for me. Do I want to draft any? Baltimore Raven running backs. You did a great job breaking down Montgomery. Well, you want to take a crack at uh, Diamonds and Dobbins and yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of weird. I mean, Dobbins came out, uh, you know, was highly drafted. He came out and had a pretty good end of the first season. I think Dobbins is one of these guys that people had that arrow like pointing straight up. Dobbins, Dobbins, Dobbins. And then he had an unfortunate knee injury preseason. Um, then Gus Edwards went down. Um, you had Lamar Jackson in, in the Baltimore situation that either got sick or had COVID. I think there was that spot where they showed him running off to the bathroom, holding his backside, like, oh, God, I think he had to poop or something. I don't know what his problem was, but they're like, oh, we don't know what's wrong with him. And somebody's like, oh, I think he went to the bathroom. He's okay now. But then he uh-huh. didn't have COVID. And so then you had Marquise Brown blowing up as a wide receiver. What's He's been three or four years, and we're waiting on him. And they had all they had left was Andrew. So Baltimore's tricky because – that's a good situation where they're almost using him like 60-40. It seemed like they were using two guys. So it's really hard to place Dobbins. If Dobbins got the work, he could easily be a top 10 kind of guy. But if he doesn't, he's in that backpack. And, again, if you're looking at the price tag for like a Dobbins versus Monty, I almost want to lean towards Monty because his price tag's cheaper. If I can get a guy that I can start as an RB2 over a guy that's Dobbins that might be a little bit higher, 
that's a tricky situation. We'll have to see what they do in Baltimore, but that's a tricky situation. Same thing. They don't have a lot of a lot of talent around them. They've got Lamar, who does a lot of running himself. Um, but Dobbins is Dobbins is is a really tricky one. So he's a guy that I would trade away if I got full value for Dobbins and I can spin that for something else. I'm probably going to sell more him than I would sell Monty at this point. If I can get yeah, full. I've been avoiding him the whole way. Balky, are you feeling much better about your early shares of Montgomery now? Yeah, well, totally. I, I was, I was. Here's what I did. I played devil's advocate, so Steve could come on and say, you? "No, no, no. Listen, you're wrong about Montgomery." Here's, here's, and all the, all the while, I just wanted him to give me that fuzzy, warm feeling about Montgomery, and now I feel a lot better about it. In dynasty um, startups, I can tell you this right now, gentlemen: J.K. Dobbins running back fourteen, David Montgomery running back twenty, um, three point five, three and a half, uh, middle of the third round for J.K. Dobbins, end of the fourth round. For Montgomery. Wow. So there you go. Four time FFPC Dynasty champ saying, look at Montgomery round and a half later rather than J.K. Dobbins in the startups in the middle of the third. Um, we're talking with Steve Peritor, a four time FFPC Dynasty champion here tonight. Let's talk about tight ends here. Evan Engram, no longer in New York. He's in Jacksonville. Someone called that a lateral move. I don't know um, how you fall in on that, but it is Trevor Lawrence versus Daniel Jones. What's the likelihood he has a nice bounce back season this year, Steve, catching passes from Lawrence rather than Jones? It's all about health with him. Um, the poor guy's had a lot of health issues. He's had some craptastic coaching, uh, craptastic offensive coordinators. Uh, Daniel Jones has not really proven to be anything, but now you've got a second-year guy in Trevor Lawrence that's coming out of a craptastic uh, situation with a coach that really just destroyed the team last year. So. Evan Ingram, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to way out produce his ADP. I mean, give me some shares of him if I can buy him on the cheap. Um, but again, look at the same situation. They picked up Kirk as their number one receiver. To me, he's a wide receiver two, maybe a low end two, maybe a high end three, and he's got peaks and valleys. Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, LaVisca who? I mean, they don't have a lot of pass catchers, and um, their situation is, is opportunistic. Again, if he stays healthy, and you've got ETN coming up now and James Robinson still, but as running backs, mm, who are the pass catchers? I, I mean, I could easily see Trevor dumping the ball off a ton of times, that guy going across the middle. Again, it's all about health. If he stays healthy, I think he's a good guy that could outproduce his ADP. If he's not, he's going to be jag. He's going to be another jag. He's going to be in that low 20s. People are going to trade him for peanuts or let him go or drop him because – even in FFPC where you're getting that extra half a point bump, if he's not catching the ball and he's not scoring, he's not getting yards, he's on your bench. He's a waste of space. But if he stays healthy, that's a good situation. He's a one-year prove-it deal, I believe. is a one-year prove-it deal, guys, right? Yeah, I, yeah, it is. Yep. To me, I think he's – to me, he's a buy at his price. I think he's one of those guys that you can kind of target as your tight end two, maybe get lucky, get him as a tight end three, and see what happens. I wouldn't count him as a tight end one, but he's a good one to buy him. My opinion. Perhaps he'll show up at the tight end boot camp uh, down in Nashville this year and hang out with some of these guys that play some gutsy NFL uh, NFL play. I'm not so sure Luke Farrell in his second year is going to let this guy see much of the field. I don't know. It's just something. I, it's just something I'm thinking about. I, I, something else I've been thinking about. It's uh, it, it's it's in the in making your rookie picks relative to the opponents that you play in your league and how you, you've been in these, in these dynasty formats for years. You, you now know you're kind of like the NFL general manager, you know, what the other guys like, and, and you have an understanding of what they're going to do. 
and how it affects you. How much of what, what, for lack of a better word, you might call playing poker with the owners in your league, are you actually doing? Are you getting into their mind and drafting players? And do you draft players with the idea, I'm going to draft this guy because I know uh, the owner sitting in spot 10, he'll want to trade for him and he'll give me a lot for him. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm a very ageism guy in dynasty fantasy football. So when it comes to getting younger, when it comes to making a trade, um, I don't want to get off the subject of value, but you know, I had a guy, I had a, an orphan that I picked up this off season. And one of the best assets I have was Cooper cop. And I'm going, I don't want to start a guy that's going to go into his age 29 season and build around him. So I reached out to a guy that had an open guy, DK, uh, um, DK Metcalf, and I ended up adding a pick to it, even though I think the value was the other way. And the guy took it, took the deal to me. I had an extra second round pick this year, this year's class. I'm not really overly fond of. So I was able to flip like a middle second and cup. he's happy. He's more of a contender. I got a heck of a lot younger. Unfortunately, about a week later, Wilson got traded. Um, now I got a 24-year-old instead of a 29-year-old. So ageism to me in dynasty football to me is very important. So I value rookie picks more than, say, the average opponent. This year, with the, uh, everybody down on the, the 2022 class, a lot of times I've flipped them for future years. I'm very, very good with trading future picks. So if I have like an early second last year and I trade it for a first-round pick next year, sometimes that pick becomes – a really high first, or if I'm trading a couple of thirds for a second, I'm like trading and getting a higher draft pick and hope that I can flip them and flip them and flip them. So sometimes if you start that process a couple years out, you can move up and you kind of move up in the drafts. That's what I end up doing and getting chase and getting the pits and getting some of those guys. Even if you're a contender, you trade some later round picks, maybe a small piece and get a third round pick and move up for a second one. But I personally value in any format, whether I'm a contender or whether I'm rebuilding or in between there's nothing worse than being in between as a dynasty guy but for me i like to trade up i like to trade um, like i said sometimes current picks for the future picks even last year's round sometimes to do that and flip it and then you wait sometimes dynasty everybody wants go 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 and a lot of people have that redraft mode to go to dynasty to me i think me you know short and medium and long term a lot of times i'm a long-term guy so do you steve what, what okay. do you feel like if, if you if you are if you value rookie picks more than you know most of your competitors, do you feel like there's a, a sweet spot during the calendar year to trade those picks, um, you know, for more picks, or if you're trading this year's picks for next year's picks? I guess what I'm trying to get at is when are the rookie year picks worth the most? Is it right after the NFL draft? Is it the build up to the NFL draft? What's been your experience? Yeah, I mean, I think it's consensus. I think the closer you are to the actual draft, the more expensive those rookie picks are, and I think conversely. Your future year's pick, the least expensive time is in the middle of the season. So if a player needs a player, um, somebody gets injured, you can offer a lesser valued player for a higher valued pick. You're yeah. coming up on the championship. I think you get week in FFPC, you get to double digits, you get that the week nine or 10. I can't remember. They changed it last year. I think it's 10 or 11. You get to that cutoff in that trade period. It seems like that's almost the least expensive time to buy a future draft pick is when you're active and you've got a guy, say you're a middle of the road team. And you're saying, you know what, I don't. I think if I make the playoffs, I'm not going to make the money. The idea is to win or to make money. So the idea is, to me, is I don't want to be in the middle of the road team and finish in sixth place. Yay, you get a six, you get a middle pick of the whole way. I'd rather, I'd rather either be 
dead last and try to fight for that 101 pick, or I'd rather win the money and finish in the 12th or 11th or 10th position to win the money. So for me, if I'm in the middle of the road, I want to trade a player, I want to get that future draft pick. That to me is when it's the least expensive. And the most expensive is right now when people are high. It's this is Christmas Eve. Holy crap, the NFL draft <laughs> in 24 hours. I'm not going to sleep tonight. It's like, holy crap, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed in this. I'm so happy, you know. So right now it's like crazy. It's like, and then, you know, then you get these weird years, like where 2022 picks, people are trading like the 204 for a future pick or the 105 for next year's future because this year's class, mediocre, couple of high ends. you got a lot of flyers, but like last two years, you've had some really high-end players. 23, now they're saying, uh-oh, it's going to be a really good year. So it seems like there's a premium. And you used to have to pay a premium. Say you had the 10th pick, you might get an extra second on top. Now you might have to add a second to your 110 to get a future first. So some of it also depends on the year. What I'm hearing in Dynasty League football and football guys and you know Dynasty nerds and all these other guys out there, everybody's promoting this, and it seems to be the consensus. And me, I'm not a smart enough guy to make my own decisions. I have to use the tools that I have and listen to people and podcasts and other stuff. So, Oh, you listen to this show then, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve, do you think, and, and, and this has been, I don't want to say polarizing, but I think people have different opinions on this. Well, we've had people come on this show before and say, look, if you manage your dynasty teams right, you'll never have to rebuild. You can contend for a title every year. We've also had other people on this, you know, come on this program and say, I'll go all out and, and sell out for a, for a win. And, and if I get it, if I, if I get it great, if not, it might set me back a year or two. Do you think, are you of the opinion that if you do things the right way, you can contend for a title in the FFPC and your 12 team dynasty leagues there every single year? Yeah, that's, I think if you're really good about it, um, I think with a short bench and you get a seven round, mostly a seven round, I'm talk, not talking about um, the ones where you're best ball or anything like that. I'm talking the traditionally you have seven rounds. That's pretty good. You have a short bench in most leagues. You have to keep a kicker and a defense. So technically you're only keeping 14, you know, um, offensive type players, super flex, maybe a little bit less with the quarterbacks, but yeah, I think you get a lot more rookies and in a really good class, you can, you can build a team pretty quick. I mean, I've taken some dog, a couple of dog orphans in FPP, FPPC and turn them into winners in two years. I mean, it's easier in this format in the FPPC because of the short bench and because it's hard to keep players. And so with a, with a lot of picks, you can trade. Most act, most owners are pretty active. You can find a good trade partner here and there. Most leagues, if not, I've had to move on from a couple of leagues, but then I find a couple of leagues that are more active. The more active, the more you can make things happen. So yeah, and I think you could retool. I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to be a rebuild or a contender. There's also retooling, and I think what I was talking about with getting younger. I think I always want to try to retool to get younger. If I'm a top two or three, and I'm all out, and I want to buy a 30 year old running back that's still a top 10 guy, and, and get him for a second or first round, and maybe I'm not 30, but like a Kamara or something like that. Most of my rebuilds, I'm not buying Kamara for almost anything. Most of the guys with Cup, same thing. I, I got an orphan with a couple of good assets. I'm not going to buy Cooper Cup. I'm going to sell Cooper Cup. So, FPC, I do believe you can contend almost any year. But, again, I either want to be first or I want to be kind of towards the back. That middle, that contender where you're not a top – if you're not a top three or four team, to me, I kind of want to sell off assets and try to push for a lower team to get a higher draft pick. You know, Balky, now that the, the headbanger has released all information about how to be successful in, in Dynasty, we've obviously asked all the questions in Dynasty that, that need to be answered. And I'll tell you, 
Steve, the, the one thing I love about dynasty players is you guys have impeccable memories. You guys, you guys can go back and you remember it all better than most fantasy, uh, most redrafters. So I'm going to say that I would like us in a few years to return to this 2022 draft class because I've been hanging around draft classes a long time, and this one is taking uh, some criticism. You know, everybody wants to to, to give that a, a bit of um, a bit of a buyer beware situation in this draft, and I look forward to five or six years from now when these guys are dominating the Pro Bowl because that that's probably what's going to happen. Because I, I see a lot of good players here, especially in the players that that uh, that in, in dynasty and in fantasy football we we make our uh, we make our points. Uh, Balky, you got emails. I do. I have a couple of them here for you, Steve. The first one, actually, is uh, we're going to go back to the Ravens. I feel like we've been talking about the Ravens a lot on this show Not lately, but the listeners want to hear it, so we're, so we're going to give it to them. Art in Burbank, California. Hi, Steve. Who's the best value among Ravens pass catchers this year? Now, I, I will let's answer this in in a um, in a dynasty standpoint, and I'll give up uh, I'll give up the ADPs on these guys right now. So we'll center it on Mark Andrews, obviously, who's one of the biggest pass catchers there. He is going at the 204 in uh, Dynasty Startups. You have uh, Hollywood Brown, who is going at uh, the 708 Dynasty Startups. And then Rashad Bateman, not making this up, 707. They're going right next to each other, 707, 708. Between Bateman and Brown in the mid-seventh and uh, Mark Andrews, uh, Steve, all the way up in the uh, early second. Do you have a favorite value among those three? Yeah, value's tough. I mean, Andrews is just going to ball out. I think he's 25 years old. He's their number one pass catcher, um, dominant guy. He's just coming into his own. He's outperformed. So, you know, he's already the tight end, two behind only Pitts, I think. So value, you can't say he's a value because if he's at the tippy top, it's hard to say he's a value guy. Um, to me, Marquise Brown hasn't done much in three or four years. Um, he kind of shows up, blows up for three or four games or half, four or five, six games. He would have been a perfect sell after what week six or seven. I would have sold him for all kinds of money. Unfortunately, I never had any shares of him. So to me, the only answer is Bateman. I mean, he's a younger guy. He's coming into a second-year guy. He's got more prototypical number one wide receiver one for a team size, whereas Brown would be more like a number two. For me, it's no question. I mean, it's it's Bateman all the way for me. I mean, were you in your rookie dress last year? Were you on Bateman at all? Is is he a guy you targeted? Oh yeah, I have two or three shares of Bateman. Matter of fact, one of the one of the um, one of the ones I was in Superflex, I had multiple uh, multiple first round picks for this year's, and I think I traded up to the two hundred two to trade them like three uh, future second picks, three to go up to two hundred two to bit just to get Bateman, and the guy declined, and I went to two hundred three, and he was still there, and I think I went to two hundred four, and I made the same deal three times, and I finally got it Bateman, yay! And that <laughs> picks were like they became two twelve. 211 and 210 or some crap. Now I'm like, good luck. I'd rather have Bateman than those than that because again, come September 7th or 8th, I got to cut three or four of those guys anyway. So Bateman, it's in a good situation. Bateman all Bateman value all the way. That's an easy for me. That's you know, Bateman has said a lot of encouraging things about way he has matured in that first year and how he's prepared it. And Baltimore, to me, is, is very difficult on rookie receivers because they're asked to be very physical. They were never asked that in college. And so I, I think he's learned how to not only play in the NFL, but how to be a Baltimore Raven. And, and yeah, you may be onto something there. 
And Steve, you bring up the cut down, and that's this this next email we have for you. Last email, actually, we have for you. Gordon, <clears throat> beg your pardon, Gordon in Tallahassee. Since you have to cut down to 16 players in the FFPC, how does that change the way you operate your dynasty team, Steve? Nice work in the FFPC. Thank you to Gordon in Tallahassee for listening and emailing. So this and this is weird because now not weird, but like I play in some private dynasty leagues. I play KFFSC Dynasty, obviously. And you like you get 20, 22 spots in that. So it's it's more of a traditional dynasty league. FFPC is a little bit different because you got to cut down to your core. And and I think, and Steve, I don't know if you play in any other dynasty leagues where you don't have to cut down to 16, um, but this has to change not only the the way you you think about cutting down, but the way you manage your roster throughout the season, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm only in a couple of smaller leagues, and I'm talking smaller, like much, much smaller than, than FFPC. For, for me, a lot of times I'm trying to take – I'm trying to make two-for-one deals sometimes. So if I get towards the middle of the season or if i got a guy that's coming on and all of a sudden after the third year he has three or four good games, I'm going to try to pair him, that person, with a, maybe another lesser person to move up to get one better player. So it's easier to, to trade a couple of people, maybe – trade one lesser person for like a middle round pick, a third or fourth or a second round pick, whatever it is, if you have extra draft picks and then upgrade. So to me, to get that player to keep those sixth round, seventh round, fifth round guys, it just doesn't happen because what happens is all of a sudden somebody breaks out and you're dropping fab. You're picking up fab money. You're looking on the waiver wire. You're making deals. So for me, it's again, it's all about studs in the FFPC. The higher the value of the player, the better off you're going to be. So if you can take a, Maybe do a three for two. Get you trading three people for two people, and maybe one of them for real stud. Or, um, you know, again, I made a trade about three weeks ago. I think I traded away Javonta Williams and my first in a team that I'm kick ass, and I got um, Jonathan Ta- Jonathan Jonathan Taylor. So I got JT for Williams, and I thought, wow, what if they bring Gordon back? Well, that's not going to happen, right? They're going to back. Taylor's getting all the carries, getting all the load. What he had. All those fumbles in Wisconsin. Holy crap, he's going to fumble. He's going to be horrible. Oh, he's going to be terrible. He's just done nothing but dominant. He's going to his third year or fourth, third year, I think. He's yeah. going to pass again. So, again, you, you, you take a value. And, and a lot of times for me, I'll take a guy that's shooting, shooting, shooting up the charts. So sometimes it's easier to sell those guys at a high and maybe pick up a, an equal or similar value pick and pick up draft picks. But to me, I try to consolidate, to do a consolidation down or to, to get a player in a higher value. And that way, when it's cut times, you don't, well, these three middle of the road guys, God, I got to cut one or two of them where you got to stud. It's easier to cut the, the bench guy or the third guy and things like that. So, All you, Farrell, for the last question for Steve tonight. Oh, buddy. I don't want to let you go, Steve. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm high on a lot of players, but I think we can always find one that we just do not want to be in business with a guy that you will avoid drafting, a guy that other people might want, but doesn't fit any of your multiple dynasty schemes, uh, teams, no matter what your roster looks like. Is there a guy out there that you've got the, the do not draft on? For a draft overall for the rookies for this year? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, again, this is a real tricky one, everybody being down. Um I'm going to answer this one a slightly different way. I think I'm going to avoid any running back that doesn't end with the last name of Haller Walker. Oh, okay. 80s band, like a headbanger band. Haller Walker. (laughs) Um, But if you're not Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall, to me, I mean, there's so many guys that are just – 
they're going to be pass catchers or they're going to be thumpers. They're going to be whatever. I don't, I don't see a lot of studs in this class. I mean, they're talking about how deep it is, and that's great if you're going to be a kick returner, if you might want to be a, a punt. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to be a third guy in the bench behind Derrick Henry and somebody else. So if you're not Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, to me it's almost like an avoid running back year. Maybe next year to get that running back. And if I'm going to build teams, I'm going to build around wide receiver, super flex, of course, quarterbacks, tight ends if they're a decent class, and there's only one or two in this year I'm really looking at. So I'm going to be pounding on the wide receivers, most of mine. And I'm not telling 100% truth, by the way, Farrell. We're just kidding, right? Yeah, I think that, yeah. I understand what you're saying. You're holding back some of your better knowledge for your uh, website. <laughs> but for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah depending on where there's the landing spot is going to be critical with some of these running backs. But again, I could see a couple going into pass catching roles, but yeah. until we know what they are in the next, probably not tomorrow. I don't think you're going to have any first rounders. Everybody's talking about Paul to Buffalo. And if he does that, oh my God, he's going to be a top five or six guy. Well, good luck with that. But I, it's going to be hard for me to draft most running backs unless it's a perfect situation, unless it's one of those top two guys. I mean, Spiller just with his, yeah, Filler, Spiller's with Spiller with his, his craptastic, you know, combine. And I think he finally ran at his pro day and it wasn't really fast. And I, I just don't know about Spiller when he was like the number one guy and he just doesn't have that dynamic that he just doesn't have any single one feature other than he does have a lot of production in college, which is tough yes, to fight against that. So if you're a metrics guy, he's, he's on your do not draft list. I'm not a total metrics guy, but man, he doesn't have it when I'm looking to draft somebody, maybe that middle first, in almost any situation, I'd rather pick one of those receivers, and you're probably looking at Farrell. You're looking at some of those kind of guys and going, you might have six or seven really good receivers in this class, but running backs, eh, kind of on my avoid list. I think Rich Eisen has improved his 40-time more than Spiller. <laughs> <laughs> you might have healthier uh, hamstrings as well. Sure. Um, uh, Steve, just real quick, Hudson Reeve in the chat room wants to know, what pre, pre-NFL draft, what's the gap between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker for you right now? Um, is it is it big? Is it small? How do you view those guys compared to each other? Well, I'm almost unless it's a really really horrible spot for Hall, unless it's a super good for Walker. I'm almost always going Hall, almost in either most of my superflex leagues, and I've got the 102 and the 103 and 104 in some of those leagues. I think Brees Hall is going to go number one almost no matter what. And again, if he goes to a completely bad situation, you look at. Maybe maybe Hall going to Buffalo or something like that, or Walker going to Buffalo, something like that. Man, you can almost see that you could see that gap closing. I think the gap is closer than people think. I think Hall yeah. is your consensus one in both Superflex right now and standard leagues and most of your best ball leagues for your 101 as of today. Uh, tomorrow, um, I think by Friday we're going to know a lot more about landing spot. And again, landing spot, you'll see that change a lot. Um, I'll, I'll end with one thing that I made a rookie mistake of six or eight years ago or seven years ago when I really started. I used to start looking at projections in January and going, wow, look at where these guys are going to go. And I had my sheets and I would always and I'd focus on that top four or five guys. And I think sometimes we have to be careful of that because then you have the combine, then you have draft nicks, and you have GMs talking and then you have the actual draft. You have to be careful honing in on that one guy like Spiller. Oh, my God, he's the 101. He's the number one guy. And all of a sudden now. He's third. He might fall to four. I don't think he's going to fall below third running back this year. But you look at where he's going, the eighth, ninth pick overall, super flex, maybe 10th, 12th. You're looking at a guy that used to be number 101 maybe in January. Now you're looking at the guy going, he's third, maybe, like I said, 10th, 12th overall, depending on your league. 
running back needy teams might take him fourth or fifth, and that might be a mistake. So you just got to be careful with those kind of things. So. Uh, we will uh, never be careful with the advice that you give us tonight because we were going to subscribe to it like it's gospel. The four-time FFPC Dynasty champ, Steve Peritor. Follow him on Twitter, at Steve Peritor. Steve, thanks so much. I know you had a busy day today, and, and yep. I know you probably got a busy day tomorrow as well. But NFL Draft tomorrow, man, it's going to be great. And it's so good that you gave us the precursor to the NFL Draft this weekend for all the high-stakes uh, Dynasty players that tuned in tonight and that are streaming this later. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Bulky Farrell, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. Hey, good luck in all your leagues this year as well, too. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. <laughs> Steve Ferritore, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, four-time Dynasty champ, six-time FFPC uh, league champ. Uh, great stuff from him tonight, Farrell. I really love uh, not only the passion, the entertainment aspect, which was yeah. off the charts, which was great, but a lot of good stuff, too. And, and I think that, and this is probably my fault, we don't do a whole lot. We don't do enough super flex on this show because I think that really changes everything. Um, when, especially with, when it comes to rookie drafts and dynasty drafts and everything like that, that does change a lot, but he, he brought us a lot of good content about the running backs um, and, and about, you know, how you as a dynasty owner should value your rookie picks in, in order to be successful. And before we get off the air tonight, he'll be located at the lobby bar wherever he's staying in that hotel yeah. room. So, <laughs> I can actually tell you that. I, I can't tell you the hotel, but I can tell you yeah, he, he emailed me. He's already he's already there. Yeah, he's for sure. already at the lobby um, bar. He no, he is actually um, in uh, North Carolina right now. Man's he's got he's an expensive town. He has to use it, especially if you're in North Carolina. You usually <laughs> stay a little longer at the bar. So yes. you know it's a. Uh, um, I don't know, Balky. What do you want to talk about now? T. Higgins. That's what I want to talk oh. about. Um, to because I and and maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but I think it's worth bringing up. Zach Taylor was speaking to the media this week. He said he expects T. Higgins to miss all of the offseason workouts because he had the surgery on his um, torn labrum uh, after the Super Bowl earlier this month. I think he was at a Cincinnati Reds game and he was in a in a sling. Sure. Um, these are not short recoveries. The surgery is not a short recovery. So you can't imagine that we'll see him probably until training camp. How nervous are you, Farrell, knowing that he is going to miss so much time? Maybe not the most important time that he's missing, but he's missing a lot of time. Early on, um, I saw T. Higgins going in the middle to the late of the third round. Now, Darren's mojo on him. You can you can share with us, Balky, at any time. But um this team is this front office, this head coach of Zach Taylor, the OC is Callahan. I think uh, Troy Walters has worked himself up to a wide receiver coaching job. This player is going to need a lot of attention and Joe Burrow is probably going to notice a significant difference in him, even mm. though this is a minimally invasive surgery. You, yeah, you'll be in the sling for a number of weeks and, um, you, you'll be in a situation that, that there's two ways to have this injury. You know, if you're a quarterback, I mean, Baker Mayfield has something similar. Uh, Major League Baseball pitchers have uh, uh, have this injury all the time. It's just worn down by the consistent movement. Uh, in, in a receiver situation, it's usually a violent, uh, impacted hit, and that's that's what we have here with Higgins. And so a range of overhead motion decreases. It becomes painful but it also becomes recurrent. You can't say that he's not 
that he's injury prone, but you can say he's injury likely just because of the contact. If you picture a guy like this elevating to catch a ball, uh, falling head over heels, uh, jamming his shoulder into the turf, he may not miss a lot of football time from a season standpoint, but he could be a disaster for fantasy owners in that that injury, this type of injury could show itself in the first quarter, either knock him out of the game or make him essentially a, uh, a decoy and, and a different route runner than what he would normally be. So I, I'm saying that uh, Higgins is going way too high uh, with this injury. Uh, and, uh, Consequently, Boyd is going way too low. I look at Boyd going with uh, double digits in the never two earlys, and I was surprised by this because uh, Boyd, even with a fully staffed wide receiver core there in Cincinnati, uh, Boyd to me was uh, the perfect best ball number three wide receiver. Yeah, and and I think the the takeaway from this is maybe bump T Higgins down, and when you're looking at Jamar Chase or 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 Tyler Boyd or you might want to break ties in favor of Chase and Boyd for that Higgins aspect uh, as well. Let's get through some emails here tonight, Farrell. Um, and oh, by the way, T. Higgins in the never too early best ball tournament, wide receiver ten. And uh, to me, that does uh, strike me as very high at the three hundred five. So I am staying away from him there for sure. All right, uh, emails, Nick. Fridley, Minnesota. Happy NFL Draft Week, guys. If Jamison Williams never would have torn his ACL. Would he be your number one receiver in this year's class? Thank you for the email, Nick in Fridley, Minnesota. Um, I've heard a lot of, of, of talk about Jamison Williams being the best talent in this class, Farrell. If he was healthy in this, would we be talking about him as the number one receiver being taken? I think so, because like lots of number one players, uh, elite players, responding to the training, responding to what they get uh, with, with the speed training, I think he would have continued to do the right things. Consequently, he would be a challenge to um, uh, Drake and uh, uh, Balky. Who's our number two guy? Well, I mean, Olave, Garrett Wilson, yeah, Trey yeah. Lambert, it, it, he would be. Guys. He would se- He would have separated from those, uh, if, if not for any other reason, uh, the fact that he uh, played on the the, the premier uh, college program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm listen. I'm totally with you. And my my co-host in my afternoon show, uh, Leo Kuyper Jr. has been oh, Leo singing. Knows. Yeah, he's been singing Jameson Williams praises. He loves him. Um, loves him for the Packers too, by the way. Um, Jimmy in Norcross, Georgia. I'm looking for upside here, gentlemen. Does Malik Willis have more of it than Matt Corral in my Superflex? Appreciate you. Jimmy in Norcross, Georgia. So looking at from the uh, uh, Superflex standpoint, Farrell, I know you like Matt Corral quite a bit. Would you still say he has more upside than Malik Willis? Because Willis, to me, seems like a low-floor, high-ceiling type of player. Willis has done the work and captured the imaginations of the front office, and a lot of it has been attitude. The kid loves to play, and that's what you want to bring into your quarterback room especially if you have an established veteran or a guy that's 30 plus years old and working his way to his way out. I think uh, Malik Willis, like a lot of quarterbacks that come out of college is, is to be considered a project, but the basis of the skills are there. I don't see him making a huge difference as fantasy football uh, producer uh, this year, even if he gets the opportunity, I think he's going to struggle some Corral is uh working on several issues that he has 
as far as presenting himself as a leader, as a locker room guy. I'm still high on him. I like his talent. I think if he can um, learn how to be a professional, uh, he'll go far in this league. And what I find interesting about the quarterback position, and, you know, Headbanger was just talking about he doesn't pay a lot of attention to it in January. Well, back in January, everybody was panning this quarterback class. They were just not interested. But, but these general managers, they cannot help themselves. And so consequently, these players are rising through the draft. And Corral hasn't even been physically available for some of it. And uh, that that's hurt him. Um, this one's from Balky in Appleton, Wisconsin. What about Kenny Pickett? Should we be concerned about him as a pro? Uh, I, I don't know. He's going to get an opportunity. He's yeah. in he's the landing spot situation. It doesn't look like it's Carolina now. And a, a lot of these players, if they get to double digits, they could slide. They could do the old Aaron Rodgers slide and keep, keep sliding. Uh, Pickett's going to get his chance to, to play. Uh, I think he's going to be a very, very good player in the league. You okay. know, a very good player in the league means he makes a roster and stays around for a long time. And if he ever gets tapped on Sunday, uh, we'll see what he can do. Whether he's going to be of any value to us in fantasy, we just don't know. Um, Dan in Willow City, Texas. I uh, haven't heard you guys talk a whole lot about Pierre Strong. Can ah. he be the sleeper of the running back class? Thank you, Dan in Willow City, Texas. Yeah, Pierre Strong. The more I, you know, and I don't know why, because, it, you know, it's one of those things, Farrell, is like, I'll, I'll stop reading or researching a player if he seems like an accumulator, if he doesn't catch passes, if he's super undersized, like those are probably the top three things that kind of turn me off from a running back. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think strong is any, I don't think he fits any of those categories coming out of South Dakota. I think this is an interesting player. Um, who is it in, in me? I don't know who it was. I just saw it earlier today. Somebody compared him to LaShawn McCoy, his skill set. <laughs> then my ears perked up and not like, you know, Leo DiCaprio and once upon a time in Hollywood or not once upon a time in Hollywood in um, Django Unchained. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. <laughs> if he gets your attention, he should keep your attention. I like he, you know what? His his uh his pre-draft hype has been very much kind of like the personality he is. He's he's a very hard working, uh, humble guy that I think he, you know, when we started the show, we talked about taking the draft all the way through the very end, going all the way through the free agents that are signed. Yes, this player could be a sleeper, this player could be a steal. He's the kind of guy that we look at with James Robinson coming from a league that uh, less than celebrated, but has all the skills. And you wonder what he'll do against a bigger opponent. I saw him play Indiana State this past year, so he hardly broke a sweat. But he is a terrific athlete. And when you take a look at the, the South Dakota roster and the student athletes walking around the hotel, and then you look up and see Pierre Strong and you see an NFL player. Um, final email we have tonight. It's a, uh, another tight end question here. Willie in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Hi, Farrell and Balky. Is Jeremy Ruckert a thing? Do I need mm -hmm. to use a pick on him in my FFPC rookie draft? You two are the best. Thank you so much. Willie in oh. Ridgefield, Connecticut. Very kind of you. Um, so Ruckert, um, I, I feel like we might've had one email. We might've touched on him about a month or so ago, but I really, I, you know, for me, the tight end class, I'm not super excited about. And when I look at it, it's it's the kid from Virginia, it's Dulcich in, in UCLA, and then McBride. And then after that, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm not really excited about anybody. Am I wrong? Should I be paying more attention to Rucker, Farrell? 
Oh, you certainly should. It, he, this is the player that uh, that I look at, and you know, I want to do right by this player. I'm just not sure if I want to do it right now. He sort of makes me think he's the the 2020s uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph. This is a player that you know could do it, given the chance. Will he ever be given the chance? He was not a volume guy in college. Uh, he did not get to participate in um, the combine or his pro day because of either slash an injury that he received at the the senior bowl or plantar fasciitis, which, you know, when you when you got problems with your feet, you've got problems playing all sports, especially one that was so key to the, the balance as football is. But I like this player. Um, this is a landing spot situation, and I can't really tell you exactly what those landing spots would be, but he's, you know. He's day three, we, right, Farrell? Day three pick? I think so. And given, you know, we go back to Luke Farrell, who he played with uh, at Ohio State, you know, and, and it's, uh, these these are very, very good players coming out of a very, very good program. I'm going to say let's don't draft him now. I'm going to say if you're short on tight ends, after you like his landing spot, He's a mid to late 20s in, in some of your best balls. Uh, but this is a player you need to be aware of. And if you hear that he's going to be more involved, get a start for an NFL team about week three or four, this is a waiver wire player that you probably want to be in business with because he is uh, he definitely has all the tools. A guy who has all the tools, not only in running the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, but co-hosting the HSFF Hour, is Farrell Elliott. You follow him on Twitter at jfarrellelliott. Check out the KFFSC, kffsc.com. Join that Sunday night, run to daylight, mm-hmm. compete against me, Jason Kahn, FPI, all these great guys that we've had on the show before. Um, and uh, it's going to be a fun Sunday night for sure. Farrell, thanks so much for hopping aboard with me this week. We'll do this again next Friday for two hours. That'll be great, Bucky. I'll see you then. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Uh, that will wrap up our NFL 2022 NFL draft episode. I want to thank uh, Steve Peritor. I want to thank Farrell Elliott. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you. We're going to be back, uh, as I just alluded to, 9, 8 Central uh, next Friday. It's an hour early because we're going to have full coverage of the FFPC Genesis and Revelations Classic Drafts. We'll cover Genesis for the first hour. We'll cover Revelations for the second hour. So it is a two-hour bonanza here on YouTube next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. As a reminder, if you're looking for some action uh, for drafting, um, either before, during, or after the NFL draft, the 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament has doubled its grand prize and its prize pool. $125 gets you in and you can win $200,000 there. The slow uh, eight-hour post-NFL draft dynasty startups available. We got a zillion, not a zillion of them, probably got close to two dozen of them going off on Sunday. Make sure you're registering for those at myffpc.com slash dynasty. Um, We have the Football Guys early bird promotion going on right now. Register by June 30th, draft by July 15th, and you will get a free $35 credit applied to your FFPC account. If you want to do that up to three times, you'll get three free teams. It's just sort of how we appreciate you and show our appreciation for that. Uh, And then the main event, uh, huge event this year, the biggest in season-long fantasy football history as we are awarding $1 million to the first-place finisher this year. 
Um, and uh, if you register now before May 31st, not only will you get entered to the pros versus Joe's uh, drawing, um, but you'll also save $100 off your first team. And if you get additional teams, you'll save $500 off each additional team, whether you're drafting online or whether you're drafting live with us over at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas this year. Um, plenty of slow live sit and go best ball options all at myffpc.com. And of course, the Run to Daylight Championship, the Draft Masters, and the KFFSC main event, $25,000 grand prize in that. Don't forget to register for that at kffsc.com. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I bid you adieu. Your NFL Draft Weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. One other thing, I'll bring this up, and I don't often talk about my favorite team on the show, but I'm sporting the Packers hat tonight. This is just a plea to Brian Gutekunst and the rest of the Packers scouting department front office. It's cool that you've ignored receiver all these years. Devontae Adams no longer on the team. I'm begging you. You want to ignore it in the first round, fine, because you've had so much success in the second and third round. Please don't ignore it entirely. Uh, a, a trio of Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Amari Rogers, uh, and, and Sammy Watkins, even if he makes the team, it's not going to win a Super Bowl. Please, please, please. Let's hit wide receiver position this year. Thank you, and good night.